Welcome to our Critical Thinking Show, where we offer the creme de la creme of the chess world in a show with everything, including John Leguizamo. Checkmate! Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Welcome, everyone, to our last show of 2020. Uh, actually, this is our last show of 2020 and our first show of 2021, both. Accomplish both things at once, man. It's a paradox. Oh my God, this thing, whole thing's full of paradoxes. What is critical thinking, as a matter of fact? I mean, the paradoxes, yeah. fast and furious. Everything, we, yes, exactly. It's just get used to it, folks. People are used to it if they're used to listening to the show. <laughs> yes, right? they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. If you are, you're probably listening to the show on 106.5 FM, WFMPLP, Louisville, Kentucky, Forward Radio. That is Social Justice Radio out of the Hayburn Building in lovely downtown Louisville. And um, we are a nonprofit uh, radio organization there. And you're probably picking us up on forwardradio.org. Uh, which is a place to get schedules. And you might, in fact, be checking us out on SoundCloud, where this episode will be archived along with uh, some 140 other fantastic episodes of this show, Critical Thinking for Everyone. Thank you for joining us. So no matter how you're coming in, we're glad you're here and we're excited to welcome a guest today. But who are you? Yeah, I'll introduce you. You're Brian Barnes. I am, I am. And you are Patty Payette. That's right. And we have a guest. And we have a guest. So this this is, we we are in the presence today of the illustrious Dr. Bill Smith, this guy is a retired professor from management in the School of Business at Towson University, which is in Maryland. That's right, I've heard of it. Uh huh. This guy is not only a very seasoned international traveler, he is also a bona fide, listen to this, chess grandmaster he's saying he's not a chess grandmaster what are you what are you bill uh technically i'm what's called a class b player so you go from grandmaster to master to expert to class a b and then it goes all the way down to e oh my lord so you're in the middle you're not a grandmaster you're in the middle of this thing that's true no my rating although um it's it's not uh real well populated up at the top. I think in, in the United States Chess Federation, I am at about the 88th percentile. Okay. Wow. Well, My rate is about the 88th percentile of all the rates. high. I mean, I would say that you are you are the most serious chess person I know. And I, I apologize for having mislabeled you. <laughs> you are in fact a serious chess person. I am serious, yes, I'm very serious. And you've been playing for decades, is that right? That's true. I've been playing since I was 15 years old. And you don't just play like I've been playing since I was 15 too, but like mainly like in a board in the basement or something. Right. So, I mean, that that isn't what you did. No, no, no. No, my first tournament was when I was 15 years old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, and then, uh, so I've, and I've, anyway, I've played in lots of tournaments over the years and I have an illustrious, well, sort of career. 
I'm going to go ahead and stay with Grandmaster. I mean, somebody can write to us on Facebook at Critical Thinking for Everyone if you'd like to uh, to dispute my labeling of uh, of Dr. Smith here. But I'll say you're um, you're certainly uh, Grandmaster in my book. Thank you, thank you so much <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Now, look, we've invited you here today because there is a movie called Critical Thinking. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, that we were turned on to by um, one of the founders and dear friend of ours, Justin Mogg, one of the founders of this radio station. Um, and he said, tell me if I'm right on this, Patty, this was a fundraiser for Baxter Avenue Theaters here in Louisville, wasn't it? If you if you watch this thing. Yeah, it's a movie that just came out in the last, it was either November, December of 2020, so really recently and caught Justin's eye because of the, in, in the name of our show, mm -hmm. critical thing for everyone. So he said, hey, let's watch the movie. Maybe you guys could turn this into a show mm -hmm. and make this the topic of a show. And so I'm really intrigued by the idea that why they called the movie critical thinking. Oh yeah, and we're gonna um, get into that. But the thing is that the movie's about chess. Yeah. And so I thought, well, that's cool. We can watch it. And you and Justin and I did have a watch party. Yeah, we did that at a cool. distance. Yep. And, um, and Bill watched it. I thought it'd be cool if we brought Bill on to talk about some of the chess and some of the thinking. And um, that's, that's what we're into today for about the next half hour is we're going to talk about this movie. And if you haven't seen it, you can go to Hulu, I think, is where you can stream it to, to watch uh, it. I think it's uh, Amazon. Well, there no, might be multiple, multiple places, but before we talk about that, I have a couple questions for Bill. Right. Okay, yeah, for Bill, go. So what, for you, when you got started, and, and maybe it's ch changed depending on the time in your life because you've been playing so long, but what was the appeal when you started playing? What, what was the appeal for you in chess? Yeah, well, I guess for one, I, I was always into puzzles. And um, I guess uh, there was something about, uh, you know, maybe the spatial relationships and the geometry of it that was somehow appealing. Plus, I, I got reasonably good quickly. And so I was able to get to a competitive level and I was not much of an athlete when I was young and so it was you know something for me to do something I was um, at least reasonably competitive at and so it was self-nurturing in that way okay so you like the spatial relationships and you said like the um you you can't it sounds like it came easy to you once you got started well kind of but then you know, once you get into the tournaments, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, play, you know, amateurs and, you know, play people kind of um, for fun or, you know, if you're in high school, which is where I got started, you know, play after school and that sort of thing. But once you get into tournaments and you start playing at a, another level, it takes on, <laughs> it takes on its own form. Um, it, and you know, and I did not do very well when I first started playing, but, you know, I hung in there and it was, you know, again, something to do, something that um, um, I at least felt I was kind of involved with something. I was accomplished in something. Um, I, you know, I got some affirmation for it. So. Okay. 
And uh, I'm curious about the sort of the appeal of chess. I, I, I So I know, Brian, you've played chess in your life. Sure. I have never played chess. Oh. Uh, my spouse plays had plays chess and my son when he was younger played a little bit. But um, so I've always been curious and to be honest, a little intimidated about, you know, all the rules and how to play and everything. So I'm kind of curious too about your your discipline in in uh, your academic discipline is management. Right. So I'm kind of curious about the connection between the natural ways that chess had you think and then how what's the connection that led you, you know, is there some affinity there, a parallel between enjoying and being good at chess and then the area in management that you that you worked in and uh, taught in? Yeah. Um uh, I guess I would <clears throat> I would get right to it and say probably not. There's no real connection between what my professional interest was and then what you know then my you know this this pastime or you know what was you know being good at chess and maybe before going any farther exploring that I think one thing that people kind of become uh, I guess intrigued with and but I think it's an exaggeration is that this is somehow some, uh, it's a game where it's all computation and it's all logic mm -hmm. and it's all if then, if then, if then. Right. There is, I think, and particularly once you get to a competitive level, there are some uh, very broad themes. It almost, be, for me, it almost becomes literary or even musical in a way. Yeah. As you think about, uh, you know, listen, there are so many different things you can do, and there's no way of picking really the best move in a lot of in some situations. Sure, there is, but there are so many times it's just kind of a matter of personal preference or style. Hmm. Um, so um, it's not, you know, to me, it's not a hard science, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but the you know, the idea is that, you know, now that we've got computers playing chess and all that, it isn't so much, again, the, the raw computing power as it is, uh, you know, the software that could select among moves and actually create a strategy. Mm. But it gets, you know, so it, it it's kind of, it, in some ways, it's kind of hard to be super precise about this, but, the, you huh. know, there is a, uh, there's an, for me, and I think for a lot of players, there's an enjoyment that comes from, uh, it, it, it demands your best thinking. There's no doubt. Mm, about it. That's interesting. It demands your best thinking. Yeah. If you're serious about it. Yeah, that's true. And this is also, uh, we can talk about it a little bit more, but one of the other things is that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach at a uh, high school in uh, Baltimore City. Uh, this is my second year, and there's, you know, there, Baltimore is not unique. There are programs like this all around the country. Do you want to shout out your school? Around here, it's just called Poly High. The formal name is Polytechnic Institute, I think. Okay. It's it's a kind of a it's it's one of the uh, better known uh, kind of um, magnet schools, uh, high schools in Baltimore City, and. Uh, 
so, but you know, again, we've got we got programs all over the country that are aimed at bringing chess into the schools, and you know, a lot of it is we don't really expect that we're going to create tournament players for life or grandmasters for that matter. Uh, there may be one or two, but mostly it's about um, just you know getting kids to you know think before they move, uh, to consider the consequences of their action, uh, to develop a strategy. Uh, you know, those, you know, these sources, mm. you know, executive decision-making skills. Right. Okay. Okay. So let me ask a question about that, Bill. Interesting. When it is interesting, when we're talking about decision-making stuff, of course, critical thinking often ties together with this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And when I think of chess, I mean, I'm not, I don't presume I'm at your level. I think you and I tried to, didn't you and I try to play one time and like, we just didn't even finish or something? Uh maybe uh, i don't remember oh yeah yeah i think i think i think the format was i think the i think i got busy and i couldn't i didn't go back to the game so so maybe it remains to be seen but i am perfectly okay to say that your chess knowledge um is way beyond mine so i'm just wondering when we talk about things like strategies in chess um is there anything, this movie makes a lot of crossover stuff like with yeah. the real world and life and thinking sure. thinking ahead about life, not just chess, stuff like yeah, that. Making choices, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you see that stuff kind of explicitly in the day-to-day? Like, I mean, is this, when? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I mean, when you're right. the chess coach, are you thinking like, um, what is it? John Leguizamo in the movie, like he's always explicitly bringing this back to life lessons and stuff. I mean, yeah. is that a thing that happens? Or are you just kind of like, ah, you gotta, you gotta remember the night moves in an L. I mean, <laughs> how is it? Yeah. Uh, I'm, it's, I, I don't, I, I, unlike the movie, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I touch the kids' lives to, you know, to that extent. Okay. Um, but, and particularly now in this year. So last year, you know, I would go once a week for about an hour and, you know, the school was over and you know, the students are in the classroom and, um, you know, and, and there's one or two things that can happen. Most of the time they just want to play, you know, okay. they've been in school all day. Do they want to listen to me give a lesson about um, the Paracon defense? No, they don't, they don't listen to that stuff. But, uh, and, uh, but so they just want to play. And particularly now, though, in this day and age or this year with the virus, we're doing it all virtual. And that's been kind of another level. And it's I've, there's more clearly there's more detachment. Sure. Uh, I don't see them. I don't interact with them. I don't I don't get a sense of mm. I don't get a sense of their own personal dynamics. They just show up. We do have a, a virtual platform that we use and they just kind of show up again and they play. Uh, I do give lessons sometimes, but uh, it there's clearly now in this in this COVID era, and we're doing chess virtually. It's 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 a lot more on just the game than it is on life lessons. Mm. So you mentioned earlier that maybe you know chess for you isn't exactly the same. You don't necessarily see it in exactly the same way that the film sees it. Yeah. Do you see any of that? I mean, is mm-hmm. Is chess a life tool? I mean, can it be? I mean, I could, just, just just because the film tries to do that, did you find any of, was any of that genuine from your point of view? That was stuff that was useful? Yeah. Or was that just like some kind of Hollywood 
filler, yeah. I don't know, plot driver. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, first of all, I mean, I understand it was based on a true story. Hmm. And, you know, but I suppose like a lot of true stories that are brought to film uh, that they, they there are certain things that are cut out or uh, just exaggerated to make it a little more entertaining. But, uh, you know, let me come back, I guess, probably what's comparable in the film and that was comparable in my own experience and what we try to do here in Baltimore. And again, I know that what they do all, all around the country in a lot of cities is that, you know, we do go to the schools. I think we've got programs at something like 40, 45 schools, elementary, middle school and high schools. And we do want a little bit, we need some support from the, from the school at central administration and also from the principals and even from the faculty or the teachers, we need you know, faculty involvement. And one of the things, so we have to sell chess. And one of the things we do sell is that uh, this is really a fairly, well, first off, it's in a fairly inexpensive pastime. There's not really a lot of resources that has to go into it. Sure. It is something that kids can do, you know, after school and it occupies them, gives them a choice of things to do. And for kids that aren't particularly athletically inclined, this is yet another option. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, also that there are that when kids get involved in this, and not you know, this again, this is not for everybody. But if we can get right now, I have about forty kids. I should say students. I don't really think of them as kids, but I've got about forty students in my um, in my club this year at Poly High. You know, those that some of these kids, they do stop and think. Hmm. Uh, you know, and usually we see improved academic performance. Oh, I mean, it's not a okay. Not a super strong correlation, but the kids who are involved in this and take it seriously. You know, they they will tend to think a little better. Their problem solving skills will be a little better. Ah. Their study habits will improve. Right. They become less impulsive. Uh, sometimes, you know, there are fewer disciplinary problems uh, because of this. You know, there's a there's a mantra or a motto I know in one club here in the, in the United States, you know, a, a school-based club where they say, you know, think before you move. Yeah. And, you know, think about that as a, as a message, not only on just a 60, 64 square board, but think about that as a message for life. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So what I hear you saying, Bill, and as you're sort of explaining chess to me in a way that I, I don't understand because when I watch a film or someone playing chess, right? You can't read their mind, right? The wheels are yeah. turning, but I'm, I can't read their mind. So I'm, I'm not privy to that. So one of the things that I hear you saying is it's sort of like there's an art and science to it, right? In other words, it's not just a logical formula, but there's, um, there's an art to it and, and mm -hmm. considering your options. And um, like you said, having a strategy and, um, which makes me think of, you know, other games and sports, which mm -hmm. have things like strategy and have different yeah. plays you can move depending on the situation. And the more that you play, the more familiar you become with different moves you can make yeah. in different contexts. So, uh, yeah. so uh, you're, you're kind of unpacking some of the, you're demystifying maybe for mm -hmm. me a little bit, just yeah. a little bit yeah. about that. And, you know, this is not a, brainiac kind of thing. I mean, I think there's a, there's, there's obviously you need some um, intellectual 
abilities in order to do well in this game. But this is not necessarily a game where the smartest kids are going to excel. No. Uh, this is, you know, there's a, and I can't explain it fully, but there's a different kind of reasoning that goes on here. And just to kind of give you an example, the other thing that I think is a little bit of a, a, a uh, misunderstood about chess is that somehow, for instance, uh, Brian mentioned grandmasters earlier. Yeah. And a grandmaster is going to think 10 moves ahead, whereas an amateur is only going to see one or two moves ahead. And in my case, I might be able to see, particularly if you give me enough time, if you put me in a tournament and sit me down quietly, I might be able to see three, four moves ahead. And the typical grandmaster may be able to see a few moves farther than that, five, six, something like that. But the key difference is sometimes what we call chess vocabularies, whereas I will recognize a position and say, listen, I've seen this before. Uh, I know in this kind of position, one side or the other has the advantage. And this is how the advantage is going to, let's say, um, go further to, let's say, create a victory. Uh, I may have, just to kind of give you a sense of things, I may have a chess vocabulary of five, six, seven thousand positions where I said, listen, I know that, let's just say, for example, white, you know, two sides, white and black, white's going to win this because of something and the, the way the arrangement of the pieces. A grandmaster, here's where the real difference is, is not so much their computational power, but a grandmaster, the current world champion, Magnus Carlsen, might have a chess vocabulary of 60 to 100,000. And so, whereas he may see a, obviously a little bit farther ahead than I do, he will, he will recognize more quickly when he faces or has the opportunity for a winning position. And I'm thinking, well, I'm doing okay. If I were to play Magnus Carlsen, I might think, hey, I'm doing okay. And then suddenly he sees something I don't. And it's not because of his computational power, it's just because he recognizes what's going on in that position and so, what's going to win and what's going to lose. Okay. So in critical thinking, we call that like depth and breadth. Okay. Sure. Would that be like, can see sort of with depth and breadth about what the game board in a way yeah. that, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it well, seems, it seems to me in critical thinking where, I mean, we, we talk a lot about analysis and assessment and habituation. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it seems to me that the analysis, when we think about chess, when we're watching the chess play, they don't give you a lot of chess play, by the way, in the movie. Like they don't, they don't focus on the board hardly at all. Like they don't give you any time to kind of yeah. one with them or anything. That, that was my, you keep going with that, but that was my one gripe about the film. Okay, yeah, sorry. You're like, I invited me to a chess movie. There's no chess in it. <laughs> there was, there was chess. Yeah, just a little though. But uh, there were, times where I thought there was a disconnect between the chess that was being played and then the level we're supposed to believe these guys are playing at. If you'll recall when there was, there was a Latino player that they suddenly discover about halfway yeah. through the movie and they say, right. come in to you know, come into our club. Uh, I think the they 2300, they said. Yeah. And he said, yeah. 300. well, my rating, and this is just an index of things. My rating is 1700. Okay. 2300 is like, you're getting close to, getting close to grandmasters yeah but these guys who are supposed to be let's say about 2300 or maybe a little lower if he's the best player and some of the guys are and if you're going to be the national high school chess champion or if you're going to be the national team champions those players better be 2000 and above yeah they and 
Legozama when he was showing them positions or things like that. And if you remember, and this is one thing I give the movie props for, they demonstrated a movie called The Opera Game. Yeah. Which was played by Paul Morphy, who was one of the great- Yeah, they talked about him, yeah. Yeah, so, and he's demonstrating the game. There's a little bit of trash talking going back and forth while he's demonstrating the game. And then if you know anything about the game, you see what's coming, especially if you're at the 2000 level or above, you see what's coming three moves in advance. And these guys are like, oh, what's he doing? He's just giving away his queen. Oh, no, no, of course they would. If you guys were any good at all, you would have seen this two moves ago, what was going on. Yeah, and yeah. So there's a there's a disconnect between, and I understand to some extent, chess, a lot of chess movies do that, where in order to make the game more accessible. Yes. Sure, sure. And to kind of get people to understand like, oh, wow, like, you know, he made that one move that was kind of incredible. Right. That right. It's, a, it's a surprise, but to players at that level, no move is a surprise. Yeah, well <laughs> said. If I, if I can, I'm, so I'm gonna also acknowledge the other film that's out there right now, that's right. really super popular, Queen's Gambit. Yeah. And wow, that movie never backed off a minute. The, the okay. technical yes. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Whereas I found sometimes the chess that was being presented in critical thinking was a little amateurish. Okay. Yeah. The level that these players were supposed to be at. Yeah. Gambit, Queen's Gambit never backed off. The technical stuff in there is absolutely first rate. That's good okay. to know because good I good. I enjoyed that movie's. In fact, I just heard today the Queen's Gambit is um, uh, not just popular in the U.S. but popular all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I. And you don't have to, obviously me, I don't know anything about chess and I, I really enjoyed it. It's, um, and one of the things that I think is very, that draws you in about that movie is the visuals, the color, the visuals, the, um, the uh, lighting, just the editing. I mean, it's just visually very immersive film and very visually rich. Um, and I love that part of it. And, um, I feel like it it gave as someone who didn't know much about chess, mm -hmm. it 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 used voca it used terminology or it talked about different types of strategy in a way that gave me a little window, but I, I didn't have to totally understand it. Right. But I could appreciate, oh, there's different strategy. Sure. Right. And um, and so I love I think the Queen's Gambit is popular in that regard in that it makes chess feel a little more maybe accessible or mm -hmm. Yeah. fun and interesting for people yeah. who maybe don't know anything about it. Brian, yeah. have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about it of the type that you guys yeah. were discussing, but I don't, um, yeah, I haven't had, had the pleasure yet. I did, I did wonder though, I'm glad that you brought up the particular strategies and stuff. I mean, when you teach chess, do you, do you do it that way? Do you bring yeah. in the, you know, the, these are classic yeah, setups or what have you. I don't know. I don't know how you put the. Yeah, time. and it really kind. Of, I have to read. The, I really have to read the crowd, and again, even particularly in 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 this virtual environment. And I know that when I finally get my students for an hour, they've been in class already. They don't. I I don't want to have to teach this online, you know, stuff. I don't want to be too dependent on it. So I'll do a little bit of stuff, and I try to be very sensitive to 
what it is that they're interested in. Most of the time, again, they just, you know, they want to play. So it's while they're playing. Ah. Usually I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll try to stop a game if I can and say, ask them questions. What are you thinking about here? What, what do you, what's going on for you right here in this position? Uh, why that move? When you played that move, why? What, what was going on for you? Do you recognize anything? Because there are certain basic things that you know, I, I try to teach and then I see that they're violating all the time. I mean, particularly in what we call the opening, that's pretty easy to control the center, develop your bishops and knights first, don't move the same piece twice, castle early. And then, you know, I'll, I'll give a lesson like that. I just happened earlier. And then I, I, I start watching their games and boy, they're bringing their queens out and they never cast on. <laughs> hey, you know, it's their game. You know, they can do what they want. Sure, sure. Did you find any of the um, braggadocio that showed up in the tournaments to be realistic i mean i you know i did some chess tournaments in high school boy they were sober affairs um you know, there was no there was no team jacket there was no chanting there was no right. high five there was no talking there was no right. coach doing any i mean it was really really you know you and the boards and, and an overseer and some clocks right right and I just thought wow it's really changed a lot what do yeah you and i in youth tournaments, uh, that's you, you're going to see. You're just going to have more energy hmm. in a youth tournament, and particularly also when you've got teams. Okay. Uh, you know, you, say your typical weekend tournament, something I might play in, uh, is is going to be a more somber affair than a school tournament where you've got teams against one another, and there's you know, and they get, you know, they, they get excited, they get disappointed, uh, they get elated, they get angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all that and, and so, is that a the drama the drama because yeah, you well there's like some of it you just can't control i mean it's just you know this is going to be we can talk i'll go ahead and say it's young men being young men we can talk about you know I, and this is something else about queen's gambit is that it gives us a woman to root for which is and this is something the chess world knows we need to we need to be more accommodating and more welcoming. We need to do a better job of welcoming welcoming, welcoming women into the uh, into chess tournaments, and, and need, we need to recognize their accomplishments better. So, but most of the time, when you go to the tournament, you will find that it's dominated by young men. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I I grew up doing a lot a lot of fencing tournaments, and fencing yeah. tournaments have a lot of that energy as well. But there definitely are lines, like certain kinds sure. of outbursts, certain kinds of kind mm -hmm. of irrelevant yeah. behavior. You just you'll get tossed. Your team will get penalized. This, I mean, are these sorts of procedures available in like for the chess referees to do stuff like that? Yes, I think so. And it's I think it's just uh, and that was also it's a knock against Queen's Gambit a little bit that uh, sometimes people were talking during games and that's something you just oh is, yeah is kind of um is, is strongly strongly encouraged uh discouraged i should say is that also talking to the opponent like can you talk, talk to your opponents yeah yeah they don't like that yeah and it's the issue of cheating has become more prominent now because you know you can get up 
if it's not your move, you can get up, you know, your, really? clock, your opponent's clock is running, but you can get up, stretch your legs, go walk around, get yourself something to drink, go to the bathroom, whatever you, you need to oh, do. Wow. Okay. But if, let's just say the whole going to the bathroom situation. Yeah, that was weird. If, if, if people now have a phone and now yeah. you can use their phone and the software on their phone is yeah. probably among the top players in the world at <laughs> that level. Uh, and as a matter of fact, there was a, there was a grandmaster about a year ago who was, I don't know how they caught him, but he was going into the bathroom with his phone. Wow. He was, he was, he was trying out different moves using a, a software program on his phone. Interesting. Wow. So I'm curious about, you mentioned that it's very male centric game. Yeah. And what about, is it mostly white male centric? Yeah, uh, it tends to be. Although I do want to recognize, and this was, I think, one of the taglines in uh, Critical Thinking in the movie was that chess was the great equalizer. Yeah. And coming back around to uh, something you asked me at the beginning about, I guess, what appealed to me. And I think what appeals to a lot, a, a lot of people, uh, particularly young people, when they are introduced to the game, is that it doesn't matter um, how athletic you are. Are, it doesn't matter even how smart you are or how good looking you are or how popular you are. It's just the two of you and you're sitting down and, and it's my ideas against yours. And everything is, every, it, and it's what happens on that board is, and the moves that are made, which are kind of disconnected from, you know, who, the, who these, who these um, human bodies are sitting, sitting across from one another. <clears throat> that's that's something that's really kind of powerful. So, but you know, there there are efforts to um, we've done a moderately good job. But you know, there are efforts to bring more disabled people into the game, and uh, and to, and to make it less white. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. for instance, I think this is also part of the effort of bringing uh, chess into schools. I mean, for instance, this is in, in my case, I'm uh, at Poly High and other schools where um, Baltimore Kids Chess League is involved, uh, you know, these are, these are public schools that we're working in. So we, you know, sure. we face a very diverse population and uh, kids, you know, of all backgrounds take to the game. Yeah, the, uh, it's funny you should say that too, because I also appreciate that you don't have to have lots of equipment. You know, I mean, I know there's some sports or activities where kids have to buy equipment yeah. or um you know have to go to practices far in a special field or whatever and chess really just requires a board and a time and maybe a coach right obviously a coach someone to help the students yeah. um so in that regard it's uh, it could be accessible maybe for many students that other activities may not be absolutely um I was curious, I want to ask you both this question. I noticed, and there were two points in the movie where John Leguizamo as the, as the co chess coach says to the students, it's one where he's coaching them, he says this, and then another time when they're at the um, state about to play at the, no, national championships. And what he says is the, at the first tournament, he says, you're going to play to win and he talks about, I think he actually uses the word intimidation or somehow there's this idea like, okay, you're gonna go in and part of your strategy is your attitude. 
That's what I heard, intimidation. And I'm thinking what he means is confidence, maybe, uh, maybe aggression. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, we, so I want to bring that up. And then I, I want to mention that because he then at the um, national, right before they start the game at the national level, he says, you have the moves and the strategies now bring the intangible. That's what he says, bring the intangible. And so I was curious about that because in critical thinking, I was thinking about the parallel to critical thinking would be disposition, intellectual disposition, right? I can have, I can be great at interpretation or analysis, but if I don't have intellectual humility or if I don't have intellectual um, integrity, right? I would describe those as sort of more of the intangible dispositions that that make the difference in how you use strategies in critical thinking, right? You can use them for sophistry and, you know, winning, you know, at all costs, or you can use them in a sort of more authentically, uh, an authentic way. So I just was curious what you two thought about that, about him, those two comments that he made to the students. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, well, there's, yeah, you brought up kind of two things and let me, the easier of the two, or at least the, uh, where there's, a, I guess, a little bit more of the meat to respond to, which is, is it possible to intimidate your opponent? Is it possible to kind of go in? And we'll keep in mind, this is a competitive game. Uh, and it's, it, it's a zero-sum game. There's a winner and there's a loser. And that's just, that's how it is. Um, and so not only do people try to play the board, which I, which I, I haven't gotten to this level, but you know, if I were coaching young people, I would tell them, listen, play the board, pay, play the pieces, don't play the person across from you. Don't worry about the person, you know, pay attention to what's Good. on the board. But Good. there are, I think, um, you know, some players and maybe even some coaches that are going to try to find some, you know, try to say, use your body language, stare at them, make a, annoying noises, <laughs> things like that, to sure. try to find some sort of advantage. I, I would never coach a kid to do that. Although again, some some players some players do that. Uh, the second part to which yeah the the question about bringing the intangibles and I I'm a little more comfortable with the phrases you use like related to confidence and and and, and a, a sense of of surety because you know it happens you know happens anytime you're playing a chess game you you have these forks in the road. And he said, geez, I got two or three different good moves here. I'm not sure which one to go. And you kind of pick one at some point because there's time control. You got to pick one on faith. And so just, um, and this is something else, at least we try to, uh, it's one of the lessons that I try to teach. And I think, I think a lot of coaches do, which is if you're going to be good at this game and you're going to play this game a lot, you have to, you have to adapt to losing. And you can't be you can't be afraid of losing. And sure. something I'm quite fond of saying is that losing gives you something that winning never does, which is the chance to improve. Yeah. When you when you lose a game, you learn something. You learn something about yourself. Uh -huh. you learn something about the game. But more importantly, you learn something about yourself. You know why did you make that in that particular case? So, and. Oh, I, I do recall now you mentioned the word humility. And so the humility is real important when you, of course, you can walk a game. Hey, it was just a chess game. 
But obviously, if you're playing in a tournament, it was an important game. Anyway, I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. And it also, there's another, uh, it does. It's really interesting because I think also in the Queen's Gambit, you see, because it's a drama, so you see lots of psychological um, drama going on between the players, you know, subtext or explicitly. And often she is uh, the underdog. And sort of that's played, you know, the idea that maybe she outplays because there's a expectation that she's not going to be as good as she is. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe the opponent isn't um, paying attention or paying the right kind of attention. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the kind of keeping with that, there was something about uh, just thinking about nonverbal behavior and you know and intimidating your opponent, uh, I think I think that I think her the ultimate opponent she was facing, kind of Darth Vader Russian guy. I think Borgoff, I think was his name. She, I would I would be scared to death if I had to sit across the board from that. You know, <laughs> but yeah, there was something he that actor really did a great job as far as you know he was so controlled uh, and he I mean he had this kind of machine like thing going you I, I felt like she was you know she was playing an unbeatable you know somebody who was absolutely unbeatable and yeah like goes that goes to that issue of, of confidence you know I'm gonna sit here and and I'm making the best moves all the time I dare you to top me <laughs> so um you so thank you and bill you also mentioned the whole idea about losing and losing is an opportunity to get better so i'm i noticed in the in the game one of the things that they he had to kind of coach the students was to accept a draw yeah you know and he says sir don't be afraid of a draw right that the idea is you don't want to fall on your sword you know because you're like i'm just going to stick with this until i win and then all of a sudden you the rug is pulled out from under you. That's how I interpreted it. And you yeah. sort of, you know, so so they sort of learn when to cash in your chip, so to speak, and cut your losses maybe is, is you know, is what it, I saw. It, exactly. So and this, this thing about team matches, usually there are four people on a team. I think that's how it, you know, high school matches, how it goes. Yeah. So if you have a really good top, top board, uh, the person who's, you know, typically your best player is going to play on what we call board one. So if, if that player wins, then the other th- three players only need draws and your your team has won the match. So, you know, don't go trying to pad the score. We just, you know, so Got it. we just Got need it. a win uh, on one board and draws on the other one and we're good. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. That's helpful. Uh, the movie sort of alluded to that, but it didn't quite explain it in that way. So yeah. thank you for that. Uh, Brian? Well, I think that uh, just to add some a little bit of point of view to some of the stuff that Bill was saying, um, I it helped a lot. I just want to comment on that business about the the extra thing or the whatever, what was the it? Intangible. The intangible. intangible. Yeah. What I thought of, and that was mentioned a couple of different times um, by Coach um, in the film. And I thought of um, emergent properties. Um, Because we talk about them in systems thinking and, of course, critical thinking is systems. And so, um, you know, when you get all the pieces together, sometimes there is a property of the system that emerges that was not predictable. 
just by having the pieces together, right? And so, for example, life <laughs> in, uh, you know, carbon-based creatures or whatever, right? That's relatively elusive, and that seems to be an emergent property. Um, you know, the climate um, has, has emergent properties, you know, at a planetary level, stuff like that, that we don't, we just can't necessarily know. And um, I thought about, you know, times when I've competed and stuff, and, and there, there are these pieces that I think that's some of what was being alluded to, kind of what you guys were talking about, some of these competitive pieces and digging down and perseverance and all this kind of thing. But I also, it just made me wonder, because, you know, we're supposed to be thinking about critical thinking as opposed to chess like that was kind of the the theme of our in, inquiry i was i was kind of thinking if this is supposed to be the sort of thing where it trains you for better thinking generally mm -hmm. then that's not predictable like you can't just teach a kid to play chess and suddenly better thinker right mm -hmm. like there's not a direct correspondence there right i don't i don't think that there is and i don't think statistically anybody can show that there is i think being good at chess means that you're good at thinking maybe in chess right and there's a point patty and i talk about this a lot on the show and you and i have talked about it in the classroom bill you know it's that business about knowledge transfer there's a point of you know when when can i take the systems that make me good at this kind of an intellectual activity and have it suddenly make me good at another kind of intellectual activity like applying yeah. chips to you know whether or not i should um you know sell drugs at the cafe or whatever was going on yeah. in the in, in the show so um i i don't think that that's necessarily what they were getting at but it did make me think that that's one of the promises of critical thinking right is that you is that you know we talk about there being emergent thinking properties that we hadn't necessarily anticipated and that the person doing the critical thinking hadn't necessarily anticipated that'll come out over time. And I thought that chess was kind of making, for the critical thinking chess movie was kind of trying to make the same case. Okay. You know, and I really, it really tripped me. I don't know if anybody went back and looked at the, at the Pablo Neruda poem that was referenced like three times in the movie. Oh, I didn't. Um, Oh yeah, well this is all about, you know, it's a, the, the line that keeps coming up is that I was from the streets I was summoned, right? Yeah. It's all about it's all about being saved by poetry. Right? So poetry saving a person's life and change putting them in a different direction. That's that's what the poem's about. And so yeah. I thought it was really cool that that was the case, you know, kind of subtly they're trying to make about chess and the coach talked about how chess, you know, saved him and all these kinds of things and I just I thought, wow, I wonder if we can hope for any of these grander um, characteristics, right? Dispositions or whatever. I wonder if we can really hope for those from a, a good chess player, whatever you call good. I don't know, Bill, do you have any ideas? Or Patty, do you have any ideas? About it? it wouldn't just be chess, right? It would be any activities that would produce this kind of thinking. Does Do, do we... Do we all do we automatically get good thinkers because we get good thinkers within these systems like chess? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, Bill. What do you think? The yeah, the key uh, phrase you used earlier was uh, what was it, transfer of knowledge, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so, yes, yeah, so if I if if I can teach someone to be a better chess player, do they does this? You know, does this transfer, does this spill over to some other part of their life? 
Right. And, and, and this is where we, we do we do talk about, at least it, it makes sense. Can I prove it statistically? I mean, maybe some people can, some educators or, or people smarter than me or have the data that I don't. But that there are some things such as uh, you know, impulse control, executive decision-making, evaluating alternatives, mm-hmm. that if identifying like alternatives and then evaluating them. Sure. Uh, and also trying to anticipate what you cannot control. Obviously, you know, there are, chess game starts with 32 pieces uh, on the board, 16 for, for each side. And so I have to understand my opponent's pieces as much as I have to understand my yeah. own. Mm. And so I, and I can't control what my opponent does, but I do have to examine it. And so maybe this also connects with what you were saying about emergent thinking. Because it happens to me all the time. My opponent plays a move and I says, and, and I and I can say I literally didn't see it. Or maybe I saw it, but I didn't look at it carefully enough. Right. And I and I have to adapt to that. And sometimes it scares me, but you know, I gotta I gotta press on. So we are getting close to our time. I wonder. I want to give you a couple of minutes to make any comments um, that you haven't, you know, made yet that you'd like to, Bill. But I, I wonder if you could just comment for a moment on fear. You mentioned this a couple of times um, in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's ever a word I would apply to my experience of playing chess. Really? No, I don't ever feel that. I mean, I might know I'm going to lose. You know? <laughs> All right. I might. I, I don't know. I just. I, I, I wouldn't characterize it that way. And I wonder if you can just elaborate on that for a minute. All right. Well, maybe, maybe that was just too easy. Uh, first off, I'll acknowledge maybe it was a too easy of a word, not quite the, the right word, but you know, there are times where uh, I think anytime you sit down when I've sat down uh, at Chester, even when it's, it's been a player across from me that I think I'm supposed to beat, you know, I, I have that, you know, I have that, that moment where I'm questioning, you know, can I do this? What's going to happen here in, in an hour or two or three hours, wherever it's going to take, and I'm going to get up and will I be the victor? Will I have done everything that I could? Uh, it, even if this is a lower rated player, is this somebody, and this is, I think they may be touching this in Queens Gambit, somebody I think I'm supposed to beat, but they're going to uh-huh. turn around and they're actually better than I, I'm giving them credit for. Mm what are my weaknesses here? Uh, there's a, I suppose it's an individual thing, but you know, basketball players or concert pianists or something like that, there, there has to be that gut check moment. Hmm. Uh, I don't care how confident you are, but at least I, for me, there's always that gut check moment about, you know, that is part of the humility process. You know, hmm. hey, I'm taking this seriously. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I think in those, and we use, basketball, Brian and I use basketball as an analogy when we're teaching others about critical thinking, about the the way that the basketball is made up of discrete moves, but you have to be good at those moves and know them well because you can't predict the game. All you know is the moves you have, and then you have to play them spontaneously in the moment, doing the same kind of calculations of cause and effect and what are my options? Where do I pass the ball? Yeah. Trying to think three steps ahead, right? There's a similar 
kind of thinking process. Um, and so I think, I think we try to emphasize that critical thinking has that same kind of dynamic. It's, it's always in context. It's always in. Absolutely. And so, um, so that's really helped me understand. You talking about today has really helped me understand chess a bit more. So I really appreciate that. I'm glad for that. Thank you. And appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Bill, thanks so much for making the time and coming on the show. I hope this has been fun for you. It has been, absolutely. That's Enjoyed great. Well, we'd like to have you back if the situation arises. So let's try hey, to- Hey, you know, I, I can talk about all kinds of things, that's even great. things I don't know about. Well, that's okay. That's something I do know a little bit about. <laughs> we can find a connection, I'm sure. Thank you again, Bill Smith. Cool. Uh, thanks, Bill. You're welcome. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, Brian. Bill Smith from the Business School of Towson University, ladies and gentlemen, Professor Emeritus. And I'll give one more shout out to uh, my team at uh, Baltimore Poly High. Absolutely. Awesome. You guys have tournaments? We do. We're trying usually in the springtime. And so we're in this spring, we're going to have to do it all virtually as well. So that's, you know, we're still figuring that out. Now that's awesome. All right. Good luck, Poly High. Take the cup, whatever you Thanks get. Thanks so much. Thanks, Take Bill. Care. Take care. Bye. So I just want to reiterate one thing. I really appreciate Bill be, you know, coming on and talking with us about the chess angle. I just wanted to reiterate one thing, which was, again, that in critical thinking, we talk about analysis, assessment, and intellectual habituation, which you earlier referred to as intellectual dispositions, Patty. But um, you know, I often talk about them as habituation just because I want to emphasize the idea that we're building habits, literally. Um, with, you know, when we're trying to develop these characteristics and everybody can do that. And I, okay. that, I just thought that that was a really strong relationship to chess because, you know, you do analysis in the style that's appropriate to chess. You make assessments, you make these, you know, informed judgments based upon standards in ways that are appropriate to chess. And you have to look at things like same stuff we talk about, accuracy and precision and relevance and depth. I mean, that's how you get like, what, 10 moves out, did he say? Bananas. Um, they are, um, you know, of course, certain kinds of players build certain kinds of habits, right? And a lot of that's intellectual. I know Bill talked a little bit about emotional stuff too, and maturity and discipline. And, uh -huh. um, you know, we, you guys talked about courage and stuff. But I think that, um, you know, there's, the point is you do develop habits when you develop skill in an intellectual game like chess and yeah. it, it's a little bit different from something like cards I think which which is a, a point that I just wanted to make because you don't always use the whole deck you don't have the whole deck out there at the same time right yeah with, with that's a uh, good point you know chess it's all there at once yeah it's just you don't have that it's not as much chance yeah. it seems to me yeah. So, yeah you know I don't really have a really strong competitive uh, drive when it comes to games like that. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't you know, know what I mean. Right? I, I enjoy them. I don't want to crush people or anything. But. Well, but even I have to I have a confession to make. Oh gosh. I don't. Sometimes I don't feel like I fully intellectually engage because I'm not that focused on winning. Oh, like the effort, amount of effort I put in. I'm more like, this is enjoyable, mm -hmm. but I'm not like, okay, how do I win? What's the score? You know, and I'm like, is that a personal failing on my part? Or is that just like, I save yeah. my, I save my energy for the things that really matter to yeah, me. 
I think it's more, I think it's probably more than that. I would not say a lack of competitive drive is a personal <laughs> failing. I just I just find that I'm not I'm not uh, playing games. I'm more like want to have fun, and I don't try to pull out all the stops. No, that's fair. Well, I mean, there's no reason to you know alienate people over games. I don't think. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but I'm not I'm not suggesting being competitive mean, means you have to be mean. I'm just saying the amount of effort and energy somebody might expend mentally in trying to like really win it and pull out not not in a negative way but just in a like i'm really gonna try hard to win yeah that's fair that's fair um i think that um you know in the movie which i hope everyone takes a chance you know to look at i think there was um quite a bit there for us to think about in terms of appropriate competitiveness and um uh, you know, kind of attitude like yeah, yeah. yeah so i think that was really useful and i hope people will go watch the movie and i hope that they'll um go to baxter avenue theaters and find a way to um donate some money to support them. oh yeah you can yeah so folks can <laughs> you can go to Baxter Avenue Theaters online and stream it and stream it online. Yeah, that might be right um, soon. But anyway, I hope people will do that. And um, okay. I, hope that, I hope that everybody will take a little time with this movie or maybe with some other movies that you watch um, to think about how the thinking in that film relates to your thinking and whether you think that you would like to do the kind of thinking that's in the film more often or if you think that maybe that kind of thinking should be avoided. I think doing that kind of self-reflective activity just with popular movies and stuff might might help us start to think about what kind of thinkers we want to be, which all of us should be doing. Yeah. Well, we hope that folks are listening to the show because they're thinking about their thinking or want to anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, and we hope, um, we hope this has been good for you. Um, we've enjoyed talking about critical thinking with John Leguizamo and uh, again, appreciate Dr. Bill Smith uh, for giving us his um, his chess expertise and his opinion about the film. Yeah, that was fantastic, Brian. Good, good invite. Oh yeah, thanks, Patty. And I appreciate all your good questions too and insights to help us understand the movie more in terms of critical thinking. I mean, that's what we're, we're here for. Yeah, as you go through your week, as the thinking is difficult, just try to use some kind of a method and do remember that whatever you come up with, those tools are out there, they've been used a lot and they are for everyone. Even you. Hey friends, happy new year to you and to yours and hope that 2021 is excellent for you. Please consider donating to Forward Radio as part of your 2021 spending plan. If you love this stuff, we sure would love your support. Time, talent, or treasure. Forwardradio.org is the place to go check it out. Everyone be safe. Here's to a great new year. Thank you.